You guys have been waiting for it. The best review preview of the Premier League brought to you by the Pretty Good Podcast on CrabbyCurious.com. Of course, I couldn't undertake this massive, massive task by myself. So I have a few friends with me. First, it's the OG, your pal. Then, uh, what's up, man? What's up? It's your boy. So what's uh, your history with English Premier League soccer? Well, you know, I've been a lifelong fan. Uh, just came out of the womb, Manchester City fan. Now, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you wanted me to just jump in uh, with this because I am, uh, as you would call, uh, a bandwagon fan. Yeah, basically. Um, and, and obviously a lot of my friends like to lean on that uh, when criticizing me, which is fine. But yeah, if I would you never. think about it, yeah, you no, you never have done that. Uh, when you think about it, like, it's not like... I was like a Manchester United fan like five years ago. And then yeah. all of a sudden, because now they're bad and City are good, that I, I switched. Like, I didn't have a team. I uh, was going through a, a sports crisis because uh, Louisville, <laughs> Louisville mm-hmm. football and basketball. So I kind of needed a rock to cling to. And I was like, oh, wow, this team scored 100 points uh, two seasons ago. So uh, maybe I'll buy a T-shirt. Uh, and, you know, Robert, obviously, is a Liverpool fan. You're an Arsenal fan. Zach, who uh, regrettably could not be here, was a Tottenham fan. So it seemed like you guys had uh, your own teams. And uh, I decided to to pave my way and become a Manchester City fan. Um, and, you know, while they are experiencing a, a period of sustained success, yeah. if, history, if history tells us anything, that will not last forever. Uh, and maybe in 10 years, they'll be in a, like a situation where Man United is, where they're, you know, have won a ton of trophies in the past and then are kind of reeling now. So, um, that's where I'm at. I kind of got obsessed with the premier league last year. It was just an incredible run. Uh, the title race between Liverpool and Man City was unlike anything that I had endured as a sports fan, um, uh, I just love it. Yeah, we we did fan, a fantasy league last year. I got obsessed. Uh, I would say it affected my personal relationships and my relationship with my wife, like all oh, well, sports obsessions. But uh, yep, that's that's, that's me and the Premier League. All right. Well, that's Bino and his uh, City Blues. So nice that all the adversity they faced last year. <laughs> but <laughs> we have a special, special host, the co-founder of the pretty good podcast by crappycurious.com mr the godfather <laughs> godfather yeah it's rob what's up rob what's good dude not much man just happy to be here on uh my own podcast, podcast for the first time ever <laughs> yeah so Glad you could pencil me in yeah i know ben sort of stole your thunder and said you're a liverpool fan but what's the what's the history with you and soccer in the premier league well, I've been a diehard Liverpool fan since August 25th, 2014. Oh, it's got a date. Yeah, so that was coming off the uh, 2014 World Cup where I watched and, you know, kind of got re-energized with soccer and enjoyed watching Mario Balotelli play. And so I was like, well, <laughs> I want to get into Liverpool Premier League. 
yeah, become a fan. So he signed with Liverpool on that date, August 25th. I was like, this is it. I can root for him for the next 10 years and enjoy <laughs> all the hundreds of goals he'll score for Liverpool. And um, and that's that's how it started. So obviously that didn't work out too well. But uh, I did see the twilight of Steven Gerrard's into his career. Yeah, so well, he could have could have won the league and slipped. Dude. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I got to see, uh, you know, we had the Coutinho years. We had... Uh, we got Suarez, the Egyptian right? god, uh, Mohamed Salah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and now let's talk about six, baby. Champions of Europe. All right. All right. Yeah, coming off a good year. Must be nice with your team to win a trophy last year, guys. Must be nice. Um, uh, but anyway. <laughs> so well, who's your people... team? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, my team. Well, I have been a fan since 1993 of the Arsenal. Uh, yeah, that's a flex. And it's the truth, too. A I day. will put up. Huh? That did, probably May of '93 when I lived in England. Shout so, out to Lion King. Yeah, shout out to Lion King. So, my dad was stationed in London, and my dad's a U of L fan. So I think he had to pick a team, and he saw like the red and the white, reminiscent of U of L and Spurs. Yeah, who's going to pick Spurs? So we lived in North London. Actually, I think technically we live closer to Watford, but I don't think they were in the Premier League at that time. So we picked Arsenal back when they had the JVC jerseys. And I have been a fan ever since. There have been some years where I've lost touch. Now it's really easy in America to watch the Premier League. I think it's actually easier to watch the Premier League in America than England. Because England has some games on Sky Sports, some games on BT Sports, some games on BBC. They're all on NBC here and NBC Gold. Shout out to Zach for the subscription, even though he's not here today. Shout out. That's Arsenal said when I started, they were you know about where they are now, like top of the table but not winning anything and then as i moved that's when they started winning championships you know they had an undefeated season um then it dipped with the new stadium they didn't have the finances and they came back and it's ebbs and flows but i'm lucky they've never dipped out of a euro Euro, european qualifying spot um unlike some other teams we're going to discuss today but that's that's my history so literally i've been a fan of arsenal as long as i've been a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, so longer than U of L. Well, uh, it's it's interesting that you talk about uh, the access to watching the games because I feel like that played a huge part, uh, at least in my enjoyment of the Premier League. Uh, I, some of my research: this is the most watched sports league in the world. Uh, it's estimated to be shown in 643 million homes, 212 territories, and while the NFL is uh, the most profitable. Uh, they do say the English Premier League is the most watched league. Uh, and I feel like, you know, obviously soccer is definitely on the rise in America. Uh, and I think it's awesome that it's so accessible to people now. Um, and that just grows the interest, obviously. Yeah, the accessibility is really great, even though sometimes you'll have to wake up at 6.30, 7.30 in the morning to watch a game. Sure. But the good thing about that is... You do it, you can watch it, take a nap or make breakfast and go on about your day. It's not lingering over you like a Sunday night football game for the NFL where you have to literally stay up till 1130 or 12 to watch if you're playing that NBC primetime spot or same with Monday. Well, um, it is- and yeah, and the games are just like a tight two hours, like an hour yes. 45 sometimes. So it's not you're not like sitting for, for like four and a half hours watching an NFL game or a college football game. Yeah. And the reliability, it's like for whatever 38 weeks starting August 10th, you can wake up 
every single Saturday morning and Sunday morning, and there will be two to four hours of soccer on, which is pretty sick. Love yeah. the long season. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Expanding on what Ben said about the Premier League being the most watched, do you guys uh, think there's a reason that people cling to it more than maybe La Liga in Spain or the Bundesliga in Germany, the Italian League, French League? That's a, that's a good question. It might just be something about America's love affair with England. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there is escapism, you know. What, the competitiveness of the Premier League obviously weighs into it, like top to bottom, you know, maybe other than the three relegated teams. Like, you could pretty much lose to anybody on any given Sunday or Saturday or whatever day. Uh, and that's not really the way it is in La Liga. Like, I mean, Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Pretty, pretty much win every year. And then obviously Bayern have won seven Bundesliga titles in a row. Yeah. Uh, so the, the parity in the other leagues is not so much there. But I also feel like it's just kind of escapism. Something about England, at least for me as an American that's never lived there, but traveled to there, it's like so close to us, but kind of different. Like we both speak English, but it's just a little bit off. You know, they, they call locker rooms, dressing rooms. They call <laughs> cleats, boots. It's just just a little bit different. I think that plays into the appeal uh, more so than La Liga or Bundesliga. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say, Rob. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I just it feels like premium. It's like the the pre pregame show and the postgame show. It's like clean and simple, and I like everybody on that panel. So it's like anywhere you go, whether it's the podcasts, the coverage, the game itself. I think just the way it's presented, I just. It's it's like kind of the best of the best. Whereas I watch, because Bundesliga is now on TV Fox. or FS1, yeah, pretty regularly at least. But I'll watch that, and it kind of it just it feels and seems lesser. So you know, mm. I'm a presentation guy. I agree with that. So I was going to read off a couple more fun facts about the Premier League, and then what we're going to do is preview each team for your enjoyment. But the Premier League started in 1992-1993 season. Um, there was the English First Division. A bunch of clubs broke away from that for a lucrative TV deal. All about that TV money, you know. That's any league. As Ben said, it's the most watched sports league in the world. Only five teams have won a Premier League title. Ben, can you name them? Uh, Manchester City, Manchester United. Arsenal. Actually, it's, it's six, my bad. I can't, I can't count. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, then let me do Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Blackburn, Chelsea, Ooh. Ooh. Leicester City. Damn, Ben's an expert. So, yes, the outliers there are obviously uh, Blackburn. I believe it was 95, My Rovers. 96. Yeah, they, um, I'm pretty sure the reason they won, they had an owner who was all in. He bought Alan Shearer, who was the best striker in England at the time, and basically carried him to a title for one year before he went to play elsewhere. And then I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Leicester City's like dramatic run in 2016. They're like 5,001 odds. They were close to relegation the year before and just had this magical run where they only lost three times. They only lost to Liverpool and Arsenal that year, which is just insane to look back back mm -hmm. upon they are squarely in the middle of the league now with a lot of the same players um it is the english premier league but welsh teams are eligible uh recently cardiff city and swansea have been in it i think a reason that the premier league is so popular is the mixture of international players like high level international players in the team but to make sure that that the teams aren't just flooded with people that aren't english they did make a rule called the homegrown rule so you have a 25-man squad um, you can have 17 players that are considered non-homegrown. A homegrown player is someone who is a 
British citizen, or it can be a foreigner who's been on an English team, either in the academy of a Premier League team or been on the team for three years before the age of 21. Um, that will constitute that. Unlike American sports, there's no salary cap in soccer. So people can pay as much as they want, sort of like baseball, but there are restrictions on how much you can add to your team salary, team wage each year, which is a joke too, because that's enforced sometimes. And I'm sure even if you don't watch soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, everyone knows about FIFA, right? How corrupt and crazy they are. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Breaking news. Man um, City, you know, the New York Yankees. So these uh, transfers, there's not really trades that typically happen. The transfers, Team A will s- spend $50 million to purchase a player from Team B, and then they have to negotiate with the player on his salary and contract, too, as well. It's not simply, oh, you're a free agent, I'm sign you. Most people get bought and sold in the last year of their contract or for some big fee that one of the giants like, I don't know, City or Manchester United can pay for. Or the teams overseas like PSG or Barcelona, Barcelona. Real Madrid. Yeah, these teams that just aren't very good at scouting, to be honest, but they're very good at buying because they have like prices you can't turn down, like the Godfather. Yep. And another another fun fact about the Premier League, if you ever travel to England and go to a game, unlike America, you cannot have an adult beverage in the stands. If you ever watch a Premier League game, you'll notice after halftime, for some reason, the stands seemed a little scarce, a little empty. It's because everyone is <laughs> getting a beer, trying to chug, double fisting, which I don't know when that rule came into effect, but it's just something, one thing I'm out on. So I know here in America, especially University of Louisville around here, like part of the appeal is you can have a beer, you have an adult beverage. There's bars inside the Yum Center. So I know how people would cope. You guys want to add any more fun facts about the Premier League? Now let's get into it. Yeah, okay. I think that's all I got. Okay, so um, we're going to preview all 20 teams. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Now, before we get into it, it's structured with 20 teams each play each other twice, one home, one away, round robin, completely fair, but they have a relegation system. So the teams that are con- are in the last three spots, 18th, 19th, and 20th, they get banished to the league championship, which is the league under the premier league and the top. Yeah. Relegated is the official term and the top two teams from beneath get automatically promoted. And the the next four teams playing a playoff to get in the premier league. It's pretty hype. Um, It's considered like the most expensive playoff in the world based on how much money and TV revenue teams get paid in the premier league. But I just want to have a moment of silence for the three crappy teams who got relegated. I don't even remember who they are, but Moment of silence, guys. Huddersfield Town? Huddersfield, yeah. Yeah, moment of silence. Psych, screw them. They suck. Dang. (laughs) I'm out on Huddersfield Town. But we're going to (laughs) start. Number 20 is Aston Villa. They won the playoff to make it to the Premier League. Um, The last time they were in the Premier League was 2015-2016 season. When I was younger and lived there, they were a mainstay. It almost seemed weird not having them there. But they're gearing up the way Fulham did last year, which is they still have the horses they came to the party with, but they are buying, buying, buying to get ready for the rigors of a more challenging uh, league. They signed a young striker named Wesley, who's Brazilian from Club Rog, center forward, even though they still have their leading scorer, uh, Tammy Abraham, 
who really helped them get promoted. So maybe they'll do something there or think they need a better caliber caliber. They also bought Tyrone Mings from Bournemouth who it's weird. He didn't ever really play at Bournemouth, but he's a defender. They bought a guy named Matt Target from Southampton. He's a defender. And they brought a young player, Esri Kansa from Brentford, who's also a defender. So they're really gearing up for their defense. Their coach is Dean Smith, not the one from North Carolina. Um, <laughs> he took over actually last season, October, and they were 14th at the time. And now they're in the Premier League. So I'm sure my man's is feeling great. Um, the style he looks to play is he looks to press and win the ball. But if they don't win the ball, they go compact, play like a 4-5-1. Um, that worked in the lower league. A lot of times those tactics do not work when you're playing with the big boys. Um, a lot of people have compared what they do similar to Burnley, which we'll talk about later. But that's my Aston Villa preview. It's good to have them back. And now we're going to go to Sheffield United with Rob. All right. Sheffield Rob. United. Well, Rob's Blades. I know. Yeah. Okay, dude. That was one of my four talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Blades. So. So, fun fact, nickname, The Blades. Sheffield Shout United. out Wesley Snipes. <laughs> so they've actually been uh, in League One for from 2011 to 2017, then bumped up to the championship the past two seasons, and now they're in the Premier League for the third time ever. So just like a little bit of history on um, you know their path to the Premier League. Looking at their transfers, they got some dudes coming that I've never heard of, some dudes departing that I've never heard of. Um, so for me, Sheffield United will probably be, uh, you know, hopefully a team that I only watch two times when they play <laughs> Liverpool and maybe just maybe they'll, uh, get a lucky draw against Man City. So nice. that's Sheffield United. You guys got anything good to add on them? Yeah. I keep calling them Sheffield Wednesday and their big rival, but it's Sheffield United. I'm so sorry, dude. But no, I don't, I don't have it. Yeah. They've never stayed in the premier league too long, as you said. So I don't really. They might get relegated, but we'll see in those predictions later. Yeah. Yeah. The next one, the reigning, defending, undisputed English League Championship champions, Norwich City, my Canaries, dude. They were last in the Premier League in 2015, 2016. Happened to be the year Arsenal scored the Premier League season, the goal of the season that year, my man Jack Wilshire against them. They have a daunting task, speaking of Liverpool. They open with Liverpool, so uh, blood in, blood out. <laughs> but I will say that is maybe the most important moment for them for the season because Liverpool will have probably five of their best players coming off significant deep runs in international play. Yeah, Plus, you true. know, just like first game of the season, maybe a little bit rusty. That that might be one that you know they'll have to really be careful Sneaky. with. Yeah. So uh, their manager, um, his name is Daniel Fark. He is a Thomas Tuchel disciple, which if you guys don't know, Tuchel coached Borussia Dortmund for a while, who's also a Jorgen Klopp disciple, Liverpool's head coach. Um, so their style typically is pressing attack, fun football. Um, very easy on the eye, possession based. This team, they don't press for interceptions. They press for disruption. Now that worked where they were, but... You can't really do that against people that are more talented to you. They haven't really had any big sales. They have a couple lone players, like a couple from one from Man City, um, one from Schalke, but no one that was really making big waves in the youth team. Um, their leading scorer is named Timu Puki. He is a full Finnish international. He had 30 goals last year. Look out for him. 
Um, like I said, they opened with Liverpool, and in a recent BBC interview, the coach said they will not change their mentality. So the, at least the Liverpool game should be fun because it'll be wide open and be a lot of chances both ways with uh, the Reds you know, having some players still on holiday after a long international summer. And an interesting fact about the Canaries, <clears throat> their chant on the ball city was uh, officially established in 1890. It is the oldest soccer chant in the world officially. Wow. So interesting. Look out, yeah. Look out for my Canaries hometown of the famous WWE wrestler page, former women's champion. So also look their out, logo uh, looks, looks like something I designed on my iPad. Um, just Really, really disrespectful. Damn, I just don't... did it to you also. Behind the canary, in front of, I guess, the castle is some tiger with a... It looks like an wearing a from Lord of the Rings <laughs> crawling on the ground. Yeah, dude. House, House Norwich, you were looking yeah. at me. <laughs> All right, so that's my, my canaries, like I said. Now we have Brighton and Hove Albion. What's up, Ben? Brighton and Hove Albion. They play on the uh, the South Coast. Call them the Seagulls. Uh, they were managed by Chris Hewton, uh, and he recently got sacked uh, in favor of Graham Potter. I don't know if you remember this, but City actually played Brighton uh, very close. It was a 1-0 win uh, in the FA Cup semifinal. Uh, and that since I watched that game, I had been worried about Brighton's style of play because they are... Certainly content, like a lot of teams, um, w- when they have a talent deficit, they're certainly content to to park people uh, behind the ball, keep 11 guys uh, back, and then spring a counter. Um, what I did is I, I went through and uh, went, went wrote down the highlight of everybody's season last season, and I would say that theirs was definitely uh, when um, Glenn Murray headed a goal in uh, on the last day of the season to go up 1-0 on City when they were in a just a stranglehold death match uh, for the title against Liverpool. Uh, but that only, thankfully, lasted uh, a little less than 90 seconds. They uh, finished 17th last year with 36 points. I've got Brighton going down. Uh, I think they're getting relegated this year. Uh, I do like Anthony Damn, Knockhart. He's, he's got a nasty left foot. Uh, there's a great gif of Anthony Knockhart holding his kid. Cause I guess you can bring your kid to the last game of the season, uh, if it's a home game, but anyway, he, uh, he's walking past Sergio Aguero and he kisses him on the cheek and then like nods at him. Like, yeah, I just did that. Uh, it's hilarious. I would encourage you to look it up. Uh, but yeah, I think they're going down. Um, not much to say else on Brighton. They, they, uh, they lost their, their center back defender whose name is escaping me now, but, uh, he was uh, kind of a pillar for them for defense. And um, yeah, I think they're going down. So it's not looking bright for Brighton. <laughs> no, not on the South <laughs> Coast. I'm so funny. All right, so that's Brighton. Next we have Southampton. What's up, Rob? Southampton. All right. So let me pull up my copious notes on this one. Um, so they're known, they're known by me as the team who transferred Virgil to Liverpool. So I'll always have soft spot for, you know, giving us uh, the greatest Premier League player of the past 20 years. Um, last year, they finished 16th place, you know, out of 20. Nine wins, 12 losses, 17, 12 draws, 17 losses. And they spent six weeks in the relegation zone. So I know this is, they're definitely one that I've got kind of on relegation watch. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens with them. Uh, I also liked looking at the different teams, kind of their their pace throughout the year, win-loss. So early in the season, 
you know, they had one win through the first 16 weeks and only four or five draws. So they're really sucking it up early in the season. But then, you know, the second half of the season, they were more like a 12th to 15th pl- place pace. So I'm at the end probably going to have them above the relegation zone. But, you know, for now, they still suck and probably we won't talk about them much more. They got a they got a couple good players. Uh, I like Hoiberg um, and Ward Prowse, James Ward Prowse. Um, those are two guys that I like and that I thought would probably transfer to bigger clubs. Uh, Nathan Redmond, he didn't really finish very well, uh, like finish around the goal and score. But he, I, I feel like I saw him like hit the post like 15 times this season uh, when I did happen to watch Southampton play. Yeah. Well, as uh, they alluded to about Southampton usually sell players to bigger clubs, that is what they do. They always manage to stay in the Premier League clubs, and they've like funded, not funded, but provided the talent to the big six teams um, for several seasons. Rob mentioned Virgil van Dijk, um, the best defender in the world, arguably, um, at Liverpool. He came from Southampton. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure uh, Ma- Sadio Mane, Mane. Yeah, Mane yeah. played at Southampton. Mane! Uh, Alexander Oxlade-Chamberlain, who is on Liverpool by way of Arsenal. We got him from Southampton. We had we got Theo Walcott from Southampton. Callum Chambers, our defender, he's from Southampton. Um, they're just – I don't know who their scout is, but <laughs> a, a middling table team should hire their scout or their training director. because Like Arsenal. Oh, we have good scouts. Man. I mean, you can <laughs> – I mean, who's come through Liverpool's academy that's, like, really – Robertson? Like, Trent Alexander-Arnold, ever heard yeah, of Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, Salah, where'd you get him from? No, he was at Chelsea. Chelsea found him first. Mane, where's he at? Southampton. Van Dyke, Richie found him. Southampton. Uh, if you want to get in this war, you don't want to get in this war. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't want wait, smoke. I do, but I'll save it for oh, Arsenal. Yeah, save it until we get to the top six, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> But that's Southampton, the feeder club of the Premier League. The double-A ball. They were 16th. Now we're going to go to last year's 15th place team, Burnley. Ben? Burnley, the Clarets, uh, which I did know five minutes before this podcast. Uh, the Clarets, I guess because they have that um, that whiny color, that maroon, that I guess so does uh, Aston Villa. Um, some players, uh, that I, I guess I like I, Burnley, they are another one of those just defensive teams. Like they're content to, to park the bus and like grind out either a nil nil or maybe steal one and one nil. At least that's what they try to do. Um, you know, they only scored, uh, 40 points last year, which is just six points above relegation, um, 45 goals, which is not great. Um, but uh, they definitely are, are content to play defense. Uh, they have Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood up front, which are just like they're an incredibly tall team, too. It, it seems like every every guy on that team is like six, five, yeah. uh, which makes it definitely hard to like whip it in the box and make stuff happen uh, when they're content to leave so many people in the box. Um Again, I, I feel like uh, when I was writing down the highlights of every team season, it was really just the, the highlight of the game that they played against Man City. Uh, and, of course, it was uh, their highlight was when Chris Wood just missed an absolute sitter to go up 1-0 in the first half when City was having trouble doing anything, moving the ball. Uh, and then Aguero finally uh, pu- pushed the ball 29.55 millimeters past the line, which I don't know where they get that number. Probably just pull it out of the air, but uh, got the win, got the three points. 
Yeah, uh, and let me kind of, sorry to interrupt you. Let me just <laughs> jump in here. Jump in there. Yeah. So as someone who's had to root vigorously hard for Burnley against Man City, <laughs> I can tell you it's probably the worst experience in all of the Premier League. I absolutely hate watching this team. I hate their style. I hate having to root for them. Pulled up that game, that one nil, just absolute, just must have draw or or a victory for Burnley for Liverpool to win the title. You know, 62 minutes in, they still have it. But the entire time, look at the stats here. Man City, 25 shots, seven on target. Burnley, two shots, zero on target, 30% possession. Um, and that just epitomizes how they want to play. And I just hate them so much. So I wish well, nothing but bad things for them. <laughs> That's the great thing about soccer is like, I mean, you can, or football, uh, it's the, you know, you can dominate all these other things and then somebody gets a cheap gimmicky goal and sometimes it just doesn't go in for you. Uh, but, uh, cometh the man or cometh the hour, cometh the man, as they say. And, uh, just thankful to have a guy like Sergio Aguero, who's just, yeah. Like killing Do you know him. off the top of your head, was that, was that Aguero goal inside of three yards or outside of three yards? Uh, I think it was r- just inside the penalty spot. Um, but, uh, you know, right after that, Jesus had just a, a hammer of a shot that I think Ben Mee cleared off the line. Um, and if, if that Aguero goal didn't go in, you just felt like it was good. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah. else would have scored. Like, sometimes you can just feel it. And then oftentimes, once you get the goal, kind of everybody kind of relax, and so the pressure eases off. So at that point, there was no real need to get the second one because it didn't seem like Burnley was going to score at all in the second half. But, uh, yeah, that was an incredibly – that was probably the most frustrating game uh, I've watched just because of all the shots on target without much to show for it. Uh, one last thing. They're coached by Sean Dyche, and he just looks like a Sean Dyche. Like, he's he looks a like jerk. an English bulldog. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he's a dick, but um, he just looks like he was born of salt and smoke, uh, which I, I have fun looking at him. But uh, <laughs> I guess that's really all I have to say about Burnley. I feel like they'll stay up. Um, just because they they know exactly who they are and they're incredibly comfortable playing that way, and I feel like teams that do that do it well. So now, um, as Ben mentioned, Burnley's tactics and how they just play defense, especially when they're playing a team that's infinitely more talented, like a Liverpool or City or any top six team. There's a lot of teams in the Premier League. If that's not their identity, but if they play a big team, they will do that. They will sit back. And they'll be happy to get a draw. And it is the most frustrating thing. Ben read off or Rob read off that there were dozens and dozens of shots. A lot of those probably weren't even good shots. It's just players getting frustrated and trying to shoot, mm. having to work so hard. Like they'll have possession the whole time, just pass it around, trying to find a intricate little pass and it doesn't work. But um, those games are frustrating. But I understand it from the lower, slot, the lower side, what they're trying to do. They know they're not going to win. Um, they're very cynical about it, so they're trying to get a point. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you get hit on a counterattack, unfortunately. But that was Burnley, which will lead us to the 14th team uh, from last year, Bournemouth, the Cherries. Do you guys know the story of why they're called the Cherries? Nope. Tell me. Well, I, actually, it is because uh, their shirts were striped, and they called them the Cherries. There's no elaborate story there. I was just messing with <laughs> <laughs> so um, their manager their manager Eddie Howe has been there since 2009 when they were in League 2 
So he's really had to glow up. They play a 4-4-2 they, or a 4-4-1-1. They play attacking style. They don't change no matter who they play, which I respect, especially after we just talked about Burnley. It doesn't always work out for them when they're trying to play an open field against these teams with very talented international players, but they go for it. At one point, Eddie Howe was actually mentioned for Arsenal's manager just for the way he plays, but back in the Wenger out days, which I'm sure I'll get to Iran at some point. Uh, players to watch for in their team standouts, Ryan Frazier, an attacking midfielder. He was actually second in the Premier League in assists last year. He's the returning assist man because uh, Eden Hazard has departed, thank God. Um, mm-hmm. The striker duo of uh, Wilson, Callum Wilson and Josh King, uh, very deadly. Um, they work well in tandem together, sort of like one's a hold up, one's a little bit faster, but they can both play both roles. Um, there's Lerma, who's a Colombian international in the midfield, and Nathan Ake, who is the second best Dutch defender in the Premier League by distance, but he's still a full-time international. Like yeah. I said, they don't change their style. They have an identity. They've stuck with their coach through thick and thin. It's been years now, so they're not going to change. They're fun to watch, and uh, there's been some transfer noise around Ryan Frazier this summer, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks like it was just his agent using that as a ploy to get a new raise, which happens in American sports too. But you guys have anything, too, yeah. to, anything to add on my cherries? Yeah, they uh, they beat Tottenham uh, pretty late in the season. I think it was when Sun got a red card. Um, it, that game was just like really hard to explain because Tottenham was having this great Champions League run, um, and then I think Kane was playing that game too. And like you know, the top four spots were up for grabs for Champions League, and it was just like a really bizarre uh, loss by Tottenham away to Bournemouth. Um, but I guess stuff like that happens, especially when you're down to ten men. I, I think Nathan Ake, who you mentioned. Uh, scored the late winner, um, which, you know, power to them. Yeah, plus, I mean, decent start to the season. Through 10 weeks, they were in sixth place and had, what what was that, six wins, two losses, one draw? Wow. Yeah, they, um, looking at how they finished, they finished ninth, and then they finished 12th, and then last year they finished 14th. They're going in the wrong direction, Mm. but the middle of the table had a lot of congestion, so Mm. that 14th might be a little bit more deceiving than it is. Right. That that was the Cherries, which will move us on to the 13th place team from last year. Newcastle United, the Magpies, named after those terrifying birds. Look out for Magpies. They're scary. Um, Anyway, they've had an interesting summer. So their manager, Rafa Benitez, who used to coach Real Madrid, my my, has he fallen off. Um, He kept them. Out of the relegation zone, they stayed in the Premier League. Their owner promised them, Mike Ashley promised them that, you know, we're going to give you some more money to help build the squad. It never came, which is what I'll get to in a second. There's a lot of um, unrest with the ownership right now. But they've appointed Steve Bruce as their manager. He's coached several Premier League teams, and he's kind of sucked at all of them. Just one of those managers that falls into managing, no matter how good or bad he is. I'm sure you guys know some people like that in the NBA and NFL that they keep fit, like Jeff Fisher for years, Mr. Mediocre, but he kept getting jobs. Yeah, like kept getting jobs. Like Mike Brown. Like yes, like he keeps getting jobs. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because they want an English coach, something with identity. But as I mentioned, the ownership, the owner, Mike Ashley, um, he was set to sell the team to a Dubai-based group, um, 
which could mean a lot of things. That hasn't officially happened. Now, when I heard this, I texted Ben like, oh, man, Newcastle United's about to come Man City. Um, mm. if, who, what's the name of Man City's owner again? Sheikh Mansour. He's from Dubai, right? Correct. All right. So, well, um, UAE, I don't know if he's from okay. the city of it's Dubai, different. but UAE. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I thought that with this new ownership group, they'll actually pour money into the club, unlike Mr. Ashley has been doing. And in a couple of years, they'll probably buy their way to the top six. So look out if that effort goes through. Players to watch um, that they have, um, they lost their leading goal scorer, Perez, to Leicester City um, for 32 million pounds. Kennedy, um, who they had in their squad, is going back to loan, back off loan to Chelsea. Um, they haven't brought in, in anybody because the owner's cheap, apparently, and there's uncertainty on it. But players to watch, just because we are Americans, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, right back. Let's go! USA International, Seattle Sounders alum. Um, he scored he's against City. He scored against City, yeah. But he's quick. Um, he's not the greatest, but he's actually not bad. The fact that he's in the Premier League bodes well for the future of America. They also have uh, Miguel Almiron, who is from the MLS. They bought him in the January transfer window um, from Atlanta United. So in a way, I kind of really want to see him succeed. He had a little slow time adjusting because he came in the middle of the season. That's a big step up. No offense to MLS. It's kind of trash. <laughs> Zlatan, Zlatan's 80 years old and dominating. Um <laughs> Um, he's someone to watch, and Matt Ritchie, the midfielder, who's been there forever, all reliable. Um, so we'll see what Newcastle does. I don't like the new manager appointment, to be honest. Hopefully they can get someone in signed, like new owners in some money in the club. Because St. James Park, where they play, is truly, truly a terrifying experience for an away club. They are mm-hmm. into it. They are into it. It's a great atmosphere. It's just well, unfortunate that their team's trash. Yeah, I was good, just going to jump in. I'm pretty confident that Newcastle is the northernmost Premier League team, uh, which, like, you know, you factor in weather and stuff, especially when you're playing games in the middle of December. It's like, and obviously City went up there and lost 2-1 uh, in late January. Uh, it just seems like sometimes you got, you know, the superstars that are making millions of dollars, and then they go up there and it's, like, cold and rainy and the fans are up for it, and they kind of just want to get back on the bus. I feel like that... That that can help their cause for sure, but yeah, the new owner I feel like brings the ability to buy so many more new players, and I I think it'll be very interesting to see uh, what Newcastle do the next few years because it's definitely a very proud club. You know, you mentioned Alan Shearer earlier; he's the all-time leading goal scorer in the Premier League, and he spent most of his time with Newcastle. So, uh, yeah, definitely be on the lookout. Yeah, Ben mentioned it's northern. You could be like Mesut Ozil and just pretend to be sick every time you got to play a game in northern England. Mm-hmm. But more on that guy later. But that's <laughs> Newcastle United now. Finishing 12th last year was Crystal Palace. Rob, tell us about Crystal Palace. So now we're starting to get into, I feel like, some more interesting teams. Um, so Crystal Palace, you know, they finished 12th. They started off the season really poor, you know, fell you know, through, what was this, 12, week 12, 13, they're in 16th place, but then battled back. But I call them, the, they're the team full of Josie Altidores. Like, <laughs> when you look at them, they look like they would be really good. Um, sometimes they'll have games that, you know, it feels like they should be more in the 6 to 10 range, but then they'll lose to some of the bottom dwellers. So they were, they're 1-1-0 one, one and zero against Arsenal. They actually beat Man City. Um, they Got some Three really talented at, at players. The yeah, yeah they, which that would probably fit in the category of 
highlight of the season for them. You know, they finished the year winning three out of four, including um, beating Arsenal near near the end there. So it's like one of those teams that they're really hard to peg down how they're going to do um, from week to weeks. Uh, on a transfer window, did take a, a bit of a loss, lo- losing Juan Bissaka to Manchester United. So, you know, 21 years old, one of their best young players or probably their best young prospects. So that one's definitely going to hurt. And then, um, you know, Wilfred Zaha is kind of the perfect Crystal Palace player. Um, when you're watching him, when he's running down the left side, he seriously looks like he's going to score on you every single time. But um, other times he's absolute trash. Mamadou Saka, uh, my boy, former Liverpool great Christian Benteke, um, all still, <laughs> all still in the mix. Christian Benteke really is. He is very much got a lot of Josie in him. So for them for next year, I mean, honestly, I would say they probably have the biggest range of where they could end up. I could see them being in seventh, eighth place. I could see them finishing in like 14th, 15th, 16th place. Mm. I don't know if you guys got anything else on uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's well, gonna... they... Go ahead, Ben. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say my boy Batshuayi, uh, right before the transfer window closed, Chelsea, I guess, loaned him out, and he was incredibly exciting to watch. And it seems like they've got like a lot of firepower up front. Uh, as you said, you know, Juan Bissaka, he was the target of a lot of people. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, they beat City and they, they have a lot of good people. And they had the oldest coach in the Premier League, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy's a bag of bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. They were always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Milivojevic is the only other person I was going to – he is just – if you want somebody to like take penalties or free kicks, like that guy, I I'm pretty sure he had like 11 goals last year and like 10 of them were penalties. Like he did not miss. Um, and <laughs> that's definitely uh, an asset, you know, for sure. Cause it seems like some, some people are either good at taking penalties in, inherently or, or they're not. So, yeah. And he's always in the mix. I feel like, you know, the, all the cutaway shots when balls go out of bounds are always, Bouncing back to him, showing that, you know, he's in the thick of things. Sure. Yeah, back to what Rob said about Crystal Palace. I loved his analysis of them. Team full of Josies. The <laughs> box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. They came into the Emirates at the end of the season. And if we just would have tied that game, we would have made Champions League looking back. And Wilfred Zaha looked like Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. down the wing, cutting in. And now we're linked to trying to sign him. He's trying to hold out. He's an interesting player. I mean, he started at me and you and couldn't handle the pressure. And now now he's come up a little bit, but he's so inconsistent. Benteke, yeah, he's he's more Josie than Josie. At least Josie scores everyone. So Benteke just like doesn't score. Yeah, he's just he a big body. He didn't even take up space well like Olivier Giroud or anything. He's just there. I don't know. But Crystal Palace, one thing they can do, they got a lot of money for Juan Basaka. So if they can you know, flip that in the next three weeks before the transfer window closed and maybe get some young talent or someone to replace what he left. Um, they'll probably be able to maintain where they are. I don't think they'll get relegated, but I don't think they'll do too much. I'm sure they'll beat someone they shouldn't beat in the middle of the season as usual. And at the end of the season, cause that's what they do. But well, yeah, and I, I feel like we should mention to uh, Andros Townsend. Uh, I'm sure you guys love, would love to talk about that, but he absolutely, um, many people's goal this season uh, mm. at the Etihad. Uh, just yeah, my goal on the this volley. season. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he'll never do that again in his life, but I actually <laughs> enjoy watching him as a player. Um, and I, I, you, sometimes you just have to tip your cap. Like if you're that far out and it's off the volley and the goalkeeper has zero chance, like you deserve to score. Um, so I, I feel like I just want to mention that and give him a shout out. Yeah. Allison would have saved it. But anyway, moving on <laughs> to <laughs> the 11th team right. from last year, Watford. All right, Ben, tell us about Watford. Watford, uh, my mooses. You know, I, I was looking up right before the podcast started. Their, their logo is a big moose, but apparently their nickname is the Hornets. So uh, I'll go figure. Uh, Watford, I, I feel like they just have a really talented uh, roster. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, they're not, you know, Bournemouth being 14th and it didn't feel like they finished 14th. There are nine points that separate eight and 14. So like a couple wins, a couple balls go your way and you're, you're firmly, you know, top half of the table. And then if they don't, you know, you're 14th, um, which is, you know, part of the appeal for the Premier League. But, you know, they have Troy Deeney up front. And I really liked watching this guy. I didn't know much about him uh, before, but Gerard Delefeu, uh, he he's just silky smooth on the ball and he, you know, it almost seems like he doesn't have a, a lot of help around him, but, um, Abdoulaye Ducore in the midfield. He's an absolute pillar. Let's see what else I got on Watford. Uh, they lost uh, again against city six uh, nil in the FA cup final. Uh, it was an embarrassment um, for them, obviously this uh, <laughs> scored 50 points last year, finished 11th. I've got them predicted to finish 13th just cause I think, I, I don't think they've done anything uh, really in the offseason. Um, ben Foster and goal. I was watching highlights of uh, the 2009 Manchester Derby and who was in the Man United goal other than Ben Foster. And that was 10 years ago, and he's still uh, still kicking it around. So shout out to Ben Foster, um, not the actor. Uh, I guess that's it about Watford. I mean, Roberto Perea, he's, I, I really like him playing too. Um, He's uh, from Argentina too. Yeah, uh, I, I I like watching Watford. We're getting into the the teams now, where it's like if they're if one of these teams are playing mm-hmm. somebody, you know, I'll I'll pretty much tune in, especially for fantasy implications. But I, I enjoyed watching Watford games. Uh, fun fact about Watford: Do you know who their most famous supporter is? That's alive. Feed me. Elton John he used to own the team briefly too. Oh, no way. Enough. Yeah, Watford is actually closer to Arsenal than. Tottenham is to Arsenal like they're really close I'm pretty sure Watford uses Arsenal's old training ground um obviously they're not the level of rival but I, like I said I, I enjoyed watching them too Pereira is on my fantasy team carried them early um they're just fun and they usually stick to their style they don't really sit back if they're playing a big team and you never know what you're going to get like there's some teams you see them as a fan, like if you see Sheffield United this year or Brighton, you know what you're going to get, and you're probably expecting three points in your head. Sure. Watford, you can't take that for granted, especially when you're playing them at Watford. It um, it's going to be testy. But. Well, and I was looking too at the you know they have on the table like their last five. They only took four points off their last five games. I remember they were kind of in conversation for being like seventh or best of the rest, uh, and they really did not have a strong finish to the season. So think that kind of hurt him uh at least as far as their expectations for next season anyway all right well that was watford the next is the 10th place team west ham united play at the olympic stadium in london 
Well, I'll just keep talking then. Um, I've got West Ham. Again, I really like watching this team. I feel like they have uh, a ton of good players. I love Antonio. Uh, he scored an awesome set-piece goal against Liverpool, uh, which I have as their highlight of the season. Sorry, Rob. Uh, tying Liverpool at West Ham 1-1. Um, Felipe Anderson, also, he makes a ton of things happen. Uh, a lot of English people are really high on Declan Rice um, as a midfielder, um, but he, he's fun to watch as well. And then, of course, they have Chichi Rito, who is definitely on the, the back end of his career. But um, I've got a, uh, a, a friend of mine's uh, husband is actually, he's English as well, and he is a, a West Ham fan. He's probably the only West Ham fan I've ever, ever met, but, uh, come on, you irons. Dude. Yeah. Koi, Koi. Uh, yeah. The, the hammers is their nickname, but come on, you irons is, uh, the, um, the, uh, the thing you say, I guess, uh, they finished 10th last year with 52 points just above Watford. Uh, I've got them predicted to finish sixth this year. Um, so be on the lookout for West Ham. I think that is, Oh no. And, uh, Manuel Pellegrini city great. Um, he, uh, I, I think he's a really good coach, and he's still doing his thing despite being pretty old as well. Yeah, he looks like a crib keeper too, honestly. But, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know why English people are high on Declan Rice? Because he's English. Well, and see, white. I think you know. Yeah, probably. I think initially he could have played. He was played his U twenty one international for Ireland, and then he's they got him to switch allegiances to England. Oh wow! Because. Yeah, not to go on a tangent, international football is weird. So, Ben, you are American, right? Um, Correct. Your mother was born in Germany, not to get too deep into your stuff, right? Correct. So, Ben was a great soccer player, even though he was born in America, lived here, grew up here, because, not even his mother, because his grandparents are German. Germany could be like, hey, you could play for our national team and win something. Don't play for America. And I'm still holding out hope that I get that call. If As long as you're grandparents are from a different nation you can go play for them internationally which seems like one step removed too far from me parents i could understand yeah international soccer sometimes it's a battle and once you pick a team after you're 21 years old it's hard to switch allegiances sure although america america should look at defend green cards to every international player that isn't any french player that isn't good enough to make the first team we should give that to let's not disgrace this podcast by bringing up american soccer (laughs) Just the women, just the women's team. Yeah, 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 obviously. Just to close out (laughs) on West Ham, for me, that was whatever. There were 40 kicks that if any of them had gone differently, Liverpool would have won the title. But the West Ham one hurts for sure. That was probably the latest worst moment of the season. Really only drew one more time. That was against Everton, you know, bitter rival. That was also frustrating, but... That West Ham draw just really, really hurt. Uh, Is that the one where Divac Origi, that was like the one late sitter that he did not miss, or that he did not score? Exactly, yeah. And and from then on, it almost felt like they had a team of destiny, even with Divac Origi specifically, and like every single late opportunity that they had, the luck would go their way, but Mm. just one, one too few. You hate to see it. <laughs> oh, man. 
continuing on with uh, mid-table teams where you never know if you're going to get a good performance or bad performance. We come to the number nine team from last year, my Foxes, Leicester City. Let's go. Mm -hmm. They are coached by Liverpool legend Brendan Mm -hmm. Rodgers, who took over mid-season from Celtic, the best team in Scotland. Um, Celtic actually had just come off an undefeated season up there, but there's not much competition because Rangers are still rebuilding, but... I know you guys don't want to hear about Scottish soccer. I could go on for days about that. Oh, um, go on. <laughs> okay. Well, the Scottish division isn't as big. No, no. Celtic- no please stop. <laughs> okay. okay. Sir Alex Ferguson did start in Scotland, though. Um, anyway, so Leicester, they had that improbable run a few years ago where they won the title. They don't have Mares or Conte anymore, but they have a lot of the same characters. They still have Casper Schmeichel and goal. They mm-hmm. still have uh, the annoyingly good diver, Jamie Vardy. Um, last year, they played uh, James Madison, who actually got from Norwich City, um, the lower leagues, and he turned out to be a really good force in their midfield. Um, they're depending on a lot of uh, young players nowadays, as other players like Christian Fuchs and um, Captain Morgan back there get really old. They play a counterattacking style. Doesn't seem doesn't matter who the coach is. It seems like they get the ball. They play a long ball to Jamie Vardy. He runs in behind the defense and scores. He doesn't finish quite like he did that year they won the title, where he just like didn't miss. I think it was the game against Liverpool where he just hits this volley from outside the box like one time, and it's like amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they also got um, Perez Newcastle. Um, strikers so i don't know if they're gonna search a switch a formation when they play both of them or play one in behind um that should be exciting they also got a uh, youngster named tillman's from monaco which mm. is like the southampton of the world monaco i mean mbappe's played there um yeah what's the dude on manchester united the french guy uh martial mm. city has monaco yeah monaco shout out to them fun yeah world. i'm pretty sure uh i Either Mendy or uh, Laporte came from there. I can't remember which, but yeah, th- I think it was Mendy. Um, yeah. Unfortunately for Leicester, tragedy struck last year in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, their owner, uh, he was leaving the pitch after a game in his private helicopter, and something went wrong, and it crashed, and uh, you know he passed away. It crashed like right outside the stadium. So um, there were a couple of games there. They were playing with heavy hearts. Uh, and you can't really expect anyone to win or lose during that. It seemed like the owner was real hands-on, um, really personable with the players. They all seemed to love him. Um, but I believe his son has taken over. But that that happened in the middle of the season, which I couldn't imagine. Um, a boss you like dying on you. Um, just un- really unfortunate. The speculation right now with Leicester is Harry Maguire, their center back, big English center back, who I'm very high on. Other <laughs> people have different appearances. Uh, uh, opinions. They see him as a big lumbering English center back, but he's very good in the box. Um, if it's if it's up in the air, he will head it in. He's actually got um, some free kicks in his locker, surprisingly. Um, there's speculation that Man U have bid upwards of 80 million pounds for him. That hasn't quite gone through yet. Maybe by the time you guys listen to this podcast, it has, but fully expect him to leave because there's all that scuttlebutt last year that he was ready to leave and they just ran out of time. It'll be a big hole in the middle, but that's the Foxes. See if they can. I feel like they'll probably stay where they're at, but next uh, we're going to move on to Everton, Rob's favorite team. Rob's second favorite team. I've got the Everton Toffees. Uh, as they might be known. Uh, Everton's another, um, you also call them the Blues, but I feel like that's like 90% of the teams in the Premier League. Um, 
uh, Everton's another team. They've got a great roster. Um, you know, they've got Bernard, who I he wears number twenty, so I kind of compare him to Bernardo Silva, but he has that similar style of like just an energizer bunny. Um, runs all over the field. Uh, Pickford, for all his flaws, I feel like he's good in goal. Uh, but they've got Sigurdsson, uh, Lucas Digne, uh, and then Richarlison, who had a, uh, a pretty good Copa America outing. Um, and that goes without mentioning Theo Walcott, uh, Bryson's favorite player, I'm sure. But they've also yeah, got he's Calvert, Calvert-Lewin. He's great. I just feel like they... Um, They've got it there, and then Marco Silva, he looks like a, uh, a Spanish Justin Thoreau. Um, just a fun team to watch, and it, it seems like they definitely have the potential to like either finish best of the rest or top six. Uh, they, they were eighth last year with 54 points. Um, Bryson, I know you and I, our Everton anecdote would be uh, sitting in that bar watching whatever game we were watching, and then it was the oh, first uh, Merseyside derby uh when uh van dyke just chops out a ball uh and pickford has an absolute howler that diva yeah. just headed in it's it. at that on point, pickford forever at that point you just uh um you know kind of feel like it's just a destiny kind of thing but uh i will say that uh, the highlight of the season on the back end uh, was the last time that Liverpool dropped points, uh, which was a tie uh, at Everton, 0-0, gave City the lead, the one-point lead, uh, and that's how it would end up because they would both go on to win all the remaining games. I've got uh, their predict- <laughs> predicted finish I had as seventh, uh, but that was before they signed Fabian Delph, so I might have to dock <laughs> them points. Uh, that's one of my might, might be closer, <laughs> closer to tenth. But, uh, yeah, Everton's fun to watch. Uh, I, I think they're firmly uh, top eight, but, you know, who knows? They've got a ton of talent. Yeah. Goodison Park, where they play, is a very uh, – another tough place to play. Those fans in the – Everton's in the city of Liverpool are really into it. Obviously, they're the little brothers, um, but their fans are diehard. They're always there. Ben mentioned a ton of talented players they had. A lot of them – I don't know if they always fit together – but they have the talent to put on the pitch, um, whether that works or not. I think one you uh, maybe forgot to mention was Andre Gomez. He was hurt at the start of the season. They got him from Barcelona. In the second half of the season, he really uh, kicked in the gear. I remember they beat Arsenal at the end of the year, and they looked like, I don't know, Real Madrid, prime Real Madrid like out there, just playing through balls, easy, seamless passing, one-twos. And then you watch Everton other games, and they lose to Brighton. Right. They... It's like this whole, all these middling teams that we're talking about, these upper mid-table teams, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> well, the thing you're talking about, too, it's like I, we've touched on it a couple times, but like the thing about the Premier League is that you could lose to anybody. Like, I mean, City had four losses last year, you know. Um, it's still 98 points, but, you know, you certainly look at, at teams like before a game and you, you sometimes feel that the outcome is decided when they're walking out, you know, onto the field, but it's not always the case. And that's pr- part of the reason that it's so fun to watch. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. So you have anything to add to your uh, favorite team, Everton, Rob, your rival? No, still just, I'm not having as much fun now thinking about all these opportunities <laughs> before I had to win the title. We were talking about Leicester City. We brought up uh, I brought up the highlights of that game and company's yeah. freaking wonder strike. Oh, it's just yeah. 
Dude. I mean, you got to be freaking kidding me, man. That was, um, yeah. So First goal all... outside the box of his career. Yeah. Couldn't have come no. at a time later. <laughs> <laughs> and then Madsen later on had a, uh, I, yeah. Well, no, let's just keep moving on. What's yeah. the Champions League podcast? Because that's the one I'm more interested in. <laughs> Out. All right. So away from the second best team in Liverpool on to Wolverhampton. All right, Rob, what do you know about the Wolves? The Wolves, they're probably my second favorite uh, Premier League team, whether it's wow. like the diehard fans, the fact that they kind of always play above their their class that they should be in, the Wol- the Wolverhampton Wanderers, I think it's a great name. Um, just really, really enjoyed them this season. It was their first season in the Premier League since 2012. Um, they finished the season out strong, winning three out of the last four, made it to the FA Cup semifinal, um, you know, they got that title of best of the rest. And then, um, you know, I, I just is really heard of for a newly promoted team. Yeah. 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 And w- they got, uh, it's Diego. Is it Yota or Yota? Yota. Yota. Yeah. Yota yeah. and, and is, uh, just two really talented players that, uh, you honestly do think could, um, score at any time. And my big prediction of the year is, the Wolves will finish with more points than Arsenal this coming year. Whoa! Damn. You want to put a bet on that, then? Yeah, dude. Let's go. <laughs> All right, we'll put a bet on it. Gambling's not legal in the state, but we'll make a gentleman's bet. Well, the thing about Wolves too is like they, you know, they finished seventh. Uh, they were still like nine points, I think, back from United. Uh, but they also lost to Cardiff twice, who got relegated. So it was like that. It's kind of confounding, you know, for them to be like these giant killers, but then not be able to hand, handle like relegation teams. To segue um, from that, um, Wolf style, they are completely counterattacking. Mm-hmm. So obviously, uh, when you play one of the big teams, they're going to try to impose their will on you. Then they hit them on the counter. They are perfect at it. I think they might have beat Arsenal like 4 1 or something. Three, but one. we were. We were attacking. As soon as they got the ball, they took off. Like it was perfect. It's like the best fast break I've ever seen every time. Um, oh yeah, that, but I remember play- that game, and I remember monitoring the group chat because that was a pretty big one. Yeah, all those teams were still fighting for top four, and mm-hmm. Wolverhampton just yeah. blew our decimated off the pitch. Yeah. yeah, but that, yes. that works. Yeah, if you watch Wolves against one of the big teams, you're going to be in for a hell of a game because they're counterattacking so good. But like Ben mentioned earlier with Burnley, you play those smaller teams, they're just content to sit back. You can't counter a team that's already sitting back. They're going to have to play possession, something that's out of their character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, that's, yeah, go ahead. They, yeah, they knocked off Liverpool. I, I wasn't so sad about it because we were more going for Premier League, but they knocked them out of the FA Cup. And I remember that atmosphere was just absolutely insane. Um, yeah, so really enjoy my Wolves. Well, and they played uh, they played Liverpool pretty close last game of the season. I remember in the first half when it was one nil, uh, Wolves dude uh, blasted one off the post, um, mm-hmm. and that could have been that made it a different outcome. But yeah, yeah, it's fun to watch. Okay, well that is Wolves, and now we get to the. Season. 